The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome to today's pod. Today we will continue on our conversation with men's basketball coaching staff at Iowa State. Micah Byers is one of my favorite people in all of Ames. I think a lot of it is because, one, he's just a great guy. I've known him since he got on campus here, but two, we've, we've both been here a long time, uh, been through a lot of ups and downs together, and I appreciate guys who just had the resolve like he does, and he is now a wealth of history and perspective when it comes to Iowa State men's basketball. Of course, he he came in, he was coming in with McDermott, he was with Hoiberg, he was with Prom. now he's the right-hand man for new head coach, well, he's not new now. I guess going on three years, but TJ Otzelberger. This is a fun one. You just get a different perspective on anything. He's the ops director. Nothing happens at Iowa State basketball with go, without going through my main man, Micah Byers. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. All right. Hanging out with one of my best buds up here at Iowa State. Been doing a lot of reflection lately about how old I've gotten. And I've got one guy who's been here almost as long as me, Micah Byers from basketball. What's up, my man? What's up? Good to be here. Well, how's that for an introduction? It's a great introduction. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I value my time at Iowa State in relationship with you guys. And uh, now excited to be here to start another season. Yeah, well, it it has like it. It, it is weird because I remember when you got brought on and TJ's telling me about you mm-hmm. and Oh, this guy played football for Steve Spurrier at Florida and all this stuff. And it doesn't seem that long ago, but then you look back and it's like, man, that was over 10 years ago. I know. It's crazy. When our when we got here, our daughter was three and a half, and now she's going to start 10th grade wow. uh, next uh, you know, next school year. So, yeah, it's it's wild. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but so many cool things have happened, you know, since then for, our, you know, my family ex- experience here with all the, you know, great players and teams we've had. So it's uh, it's been an awesome experience and looking forward to to, you know more of it I uh I value talking to you as much as as any of these guys because of the depth you have with Iowa State like mm-hmm. we're sit where we're sitting at right now we can see this new construction building and all that and I, I think it's really valuable to to pick your brain as you've been on the inside and you, yeah. you've seen you know the change over the years where you were even here pre-Sukup right or was no. Sukup just getting built when couple, you got here yeah a couple years old but yeah okay. as you, as you okay. say like looking out one of the beauties of being at Iowa State and you know Jamie Pollard the administ- athletic administration like looking and seeing the bridge that everybody loves so much but also I'm a huge yeah, bridge guy me too I'm a bridge guy because we have to be but <laughs> I read on social media that we love it it's what we revolve what revolves around you know Iowa State revolves around but no it's we've made continuous improvements and you know we're not trying to catch up to anyone in particular but just to have things like the Stark Performance Center and the uh you know all of the uh, improvements that are being made to Hilton and Suk up like it's it's fun to be around that that Stark Performance Center I don't think that most fans gather how important that yeah. actually is yeah it's been huge for us because you know really the structure of our day really revolves around that you know we everything originates at Sukup, but we eat breakfast there every day we have a team meeting and dinner there every night so really our day kind of revolves around and our, i didn't yeah, know that yeah and our student athletes use it for you know their mentor and tutoring so for us like their lives essentially revolve around being at Sukup for their training but then all of our nutritional and ac- academic needs are done there at the stark performance so it's Center. a little different than when i was in college here and like Todd Blythe and Brett Meyer 
would just be hanging out at the library. Right. They don't yeah. got to do that anymore. Nope, they don't have to do that. And, <laughs> and, and to me, it's been great for the Autographs. Ev- right. We didn't do selfies back then. No, different. <laughs> it's been fun for the evolution of just the program, but you can see it across all sports when we're, as you used to say, hey, you need to maintain this certain weight or you need to have these nutritional goals, but then we'd kind of let them out on their own. And now they have an actual place to go there to be, uh, have a specific plan for their weight gain and their, you know, their nutritional development. So it's, it's fun to see that evolution happen here. All right. Well, you've, you've also seen it like the, I mean, NIL, man, I I can remember even when like cost of attendance was like a really huge deal. You were a student athlete yourself. So you've been there way before any of this stuff. I get how is how is not necessarily like the NIL money. That's not even what I'm going. But that we the NCAA with its rules has gotten much more progressive over the years right. when it comes to these guys. How does that change your job? How yeah. how are you? involved in all that. Yeah. So we're definitely conscious of it and we keep an eye on it and we try to make sure that our athletes have all of the opportunities that are available to them, you know, in our area, you know, yeah. in our state, in our, in our county, in our state and nationwide. And, you know, we're, we're absolutely, you know, within our athletic department pro athlete and we want to help them reach all of their financial goals. But at the end of it, we are an academic, you know, institution yeah. of higher learning and just making sure that there's alignment between what they're looking for with NIL and also making sure that that aligns with the athletic department and making sure they're staying on track to graduate. But I think that our approaches continue to be relational. There is a, you know, a transactional part of it with NIL, but like we're not necessarily involved in that day to day, but we make sure that they're in front of the right people. And I feel like what our fans and the collective have been able to offer our guys keeps us in line with, with everybody else in the league. All right. Portal wise, because you, the portal did not exist when you got into your coaching career when you were at Central Florida and Chipola back in the day, all that good stuff. Does that complicate things like just on your end? Because you're the operations... You're yeah. you're kind of like the chief of staff. Like every year, tell me if I'm describing you wrong. But oh, you, I like you've it. Got, Keep going. Yeah, you got yeah. your fingerprint on on pretty much everything. Yeah. Um. The how do you how do you view the the portal? Yeah. Good thing, bad thing. Where's no, your take? I think it's something that we've decided to embrace you know it's a good thing for the student athlete again it's empowering to them to have choices uh i think it really just strengthens relationships and shows the strength of the relational part of what we do and that we had such a great amount of retention this year that we didn't have to go into the portal we could be uh you know and look for a ton of players we could be super selective with what we have and that starts with tj and the rest of our staff you know just having the relationship with guys and explaining a path for them to what it's going to look like for them in the next year. So when you don't have a lot of guys leave your program, Mm -hmm. you can be really selective about who you bring in. And I think that's just been our program's uh, mantra since, you know, since TJ has been here is retention is huge. You want to go into the portal and use it uh, to your advantage, but you don't ever want to be out there and expose yourself to have a high number of guys, especially uh, on a basketball roster of, you know, 13 guys. So for us, I think the portal has been good. Uh, Obviously, you know, the guys that we've taken, you know, TJ's first year, uh, uh, turned into you know favorites with Jazz and Rob and Gabe and folks like that, and then to have the St. Bonaventure guys, and they've been great for us, but they've supplemented what we've had, and that's what that's what's made Iowa State successful. You know, the Melvin Edgems and the George Yangs and the Matt Thomases have been great, but also the Bryce Dejon Jones and the you know the Abdul Nader and the yeah. you know those guys have been what have supplemented our success. But it all starts with the high school guys. Yeah, no doubt, and I, I feel like that's been kind of the key to the last two years too, even like specifically last year when you had to bring it back, right? You surprise right. everybody. You go to the NCAA tournament. You make a sweet 16 in year one. Right. 
the way you guys have it structured, it seems it seems more aggressive in the off season under TJ than it was in the previous two. And right. I'm not sliding them. It just yeah. the working the way they work out just seems a little bit different. It feels to me like it's even more important to have the carryover yeah. to show like, hey, if we're up at 5 a.m. doing wind sprints on a soccer field, this is how it's done here, Yeah, right? Yep. Is that, that accurate? Absolutely. For better or worse, the players and the staff are in there. TJ makes sure that all of us are held accountable to, you know, re- reaching weight goals and working out and everything. But to me, it really starts with... He get, makes the staff work out? Well, he would say no, but I think it's kind of a peer pressure. You know, <laughs> I, I think the, you know, the running joke about his polo size and everything, I think there's the peer pressure for the rest of us to fit into one that's a little, you know, one size You're smaller. You're the guy, you, you, you help with, you're big into the uniforms and yeah. stuff right like yeah. why don't you get him a bigger polo just tell him yeah you have to i think that he's secure and wearing what he has so <laughs> i don't want him to deviate from that because i think it gives him just that little slight touch of uh you know of of, of anger and you know it kind of <laughs> contains him in there a little bit and he he's comfortable with what he's wearing so i'm comfortable with you know with him wearing it but right. yeah <laughs> I give him crap about that all the time. He uh, he he's something. That, it does fit his mantra, though. If you know him as long as you have, yeah, like yeah. you you kind of under understand that about yeah. the man. Yeah. You, now you guys, I think that most people might know this by now, but you and TJ go back really long time. Yeah. Like, when was the Chipola deal? What yeah. year was that? Yeah, so I went to Chipola. I was at the University of New Orleans, uh, 01 to 03, and then I had the opportunity to go to Chipola uh, in the 03, 04 season, and Chris Jans was the head coach at the time. Yeah, now, so we're talking 20 years now. Yep, yeah, and so uh, after, at the conclusion of that uh, first season, Chris Jans actually got a job, and this shows how all of our worlds are, are close. He got a job with Porter Mosier at Illinois State, wow. and D-Rob was on that, uh, on that staff as well, so he he left and a new head coach came in and by virtue of that new head coach coming in they had to hire a new assistant coach and so TJ was brought in so the staff that year was TJ uh, Corey McRae who's an assistant at the University of Florida now and myself and so TJ and I have known each other since then since 2004 and you know it was a part of his uh, you know part of his wedding party and uh, you know just he was the one that kind of coaxed us to come here in 2011 and it's been you know great ever since. Okay so I like talking to you again about the the evolution of things. One of the things that you guys did not have when you got here was NBA talent. Right. With these guys who are in the league. Like, I mean, we're seeing this with basketball. We've seen it with basketball over the last 10 years. We're just starting to see it with football where you have these alums. How how has that impacted the program? Yeah. Having these guys who can come back and not only talk, but maybe, you know, send a – FaceTime with the team before a game because I know that's a really big deal with what you guys are doing. Yeah, I think when uh, TJ and Fred... Uh, started to have the sit-out guys. That was a year before I got here. I don't think that the goal was ever to necessarily get just NBA talent. I think that NBA talent was nurtured here, and those guys ended up being good enough. But once you get, you know, you start off with Royce White, and then George finds his way into the league, and Naz and Matt and Monte and, uh, you know, Abdul and Bryce and all of those guys find their way to the league, then it leads to Lindell and Tyrese. I think it's one of those things. It's kind of the Roger Bannister deal where no one ran a four-minute mile. 
and then all of a sudden he runs yeah. one and then everybody else runs it. Of course, you have to have some, have some innate talent and some ability. But, you know, I think once guys see that that's a, a possibility out there, they're able to achieve that goal. Playing in the Big 12 helps as well. And those guys just being really good players and good guys. But I think that none of those guys came to Iowa State with the in- intention to be able to just leapfrog to the NBA. I think the maturation process that happened while they were here, their work ethic combined with our league and our coaching staff, we were able to help uh, give them the opportunity. The most high-profile guy of all of them was Tyrese. Yeah. And he's a great example. I mean, we were, we were discussing this earlier. Like, yeah. on, this wasn't a deal like – on day one, him stepping onto campus, you guys are like, yeah. oh, man, he's going to be a lottery pick in two years. Right. Like that, that took a while. Yeah. I think the thing that's interesting about him is I think most people thought when we signed him, and again, I, I don't think that you can ever project out what an athlete's going to be like until they actually get out there and get into the, you know, the part of actually playing the games. But I think it was kind of said publicly and even pri- privately with us that, He'll be a good four-year player, but that just goes to show how you can never really project how somebody's heart and ability to continue to get better. You know, uh, you know, you can never really project that until you see him play. But uh, yeah, Tyrese was somebody that when we were recruiting him, he was you know rail thin and didn't know you know the shot looked a little funky and abstract. And I think now all of those things have played to his favor. You know, his body type, his infectious smile, just the way that he is on the bench and the way he handles himself in front of the camera and the way that he uh, handles himself against the best players in the world. I mean, he's just turned into, you know, obviously he's an all-star and then looking forward to the all-star game being in Indianapolis this year, uh, you know, for him, hopefully he has a chance to do it again. It it feels too like the guys that you've had, they come back a lot. They do. It's not like this arm's length distance. They yeah. come back and work out. They they do you know run camps that's what i tell yeah. them I, I say to those guys cool. all the time i go you guys are 10 out of 10 because you are only people that i know that choose to vacation in ames <laughs> iowa and i love ames it's awesome. and it's a great place a lot of us you know during other times we go to warmer climates but those guys come here but it really comes back to you know what they establish here and again they have they have a lot of onus in the development of this program over the last decade and a half those guys that do come back and all of our alums but you know for those most recent guys in particular like they love coming back Monte Matt Naz you know George Tyrese like they all enjoy coming back here and it's not just because the fans love and appreciate them it's because they appreciate what Ames and Iowa State did for them and so it's fun to see that it's reciprocal you know that they're that each are giving to one another equally and that the people embrace them when they come back but they want to come back and run their camps and be a part of the community so Hoiberg gets the job program gets turned around Iowa State's fan base is nuts shows up everywhere We've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but ESPN takes notice. Yep. They love having fans attend their non-conference tournaments. So yep. now Iowa State's in a really good spot getting yep. these these fantastic tournament invites every yep. year. How else is the scheduling profile changed? I know that Big Four went away. Um, you, you've added Big East. Yeah. Um, you've got the SEC thing that's going away, I believe. Yeah. That one's going away. Yep. We're done with that. Yeah. Yep. So how, how else has scheduling changed, I guess, and, and kind of matured with the program? Yeah, I think that the the scheduling model, you know, having the challenges in there and then, all, you know, having the annual game with Iowa, I think for us it's really just trying to curate the right balance between – 
games that we can host here at Hilton that we feel are winnable games uh, and also playing those you know the high profile MTEs which we do have some other really good ones coming up on the horizon but you figure if you're getting six to eight of those high major of your 13 games that you have for non-conference you feel like you're giving yourself a good chance a good balance for guys to kind of uh, center themselves and play some hopefully some winnable games like I said here at Hilton but then also a challenge themselves away from here just getting us ready for the Big 12 and as long as we're at 18 uh i don't know that we'll go to 20 games ever in league play but if we do maybe we'll you know pivot a little bit as far as what we what we're looking for scheduling wise but our model has been pretty consistent and i think between the games that we've won we've put ourselves in contention to win i don't think that we've had ourselves in a spot where we've ever looked back on our schedule and said man we should have not scheduled this team or we should have scheduled a little heavier because the big 12 always kind of pulls you uh, you know, up to the upper echelon at the end of the year. Does the league changing change anything? I mean, it's still going to be the best. In fact, I would argue yeah. it's going to be better Yeah, with the four teams coming yeah. in. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma have been really good, but, I mean, you look at a program like Cincinnati that is uh, always yeah. good. That's a It's a basketball BYU is, you and I have talked about, is yeah. maybe the worst, one of the five worst places in the country to play. Okay? It's going to be Unless a tough you've been there. It's, yeah. I mean, right? Like the, the, I, I'm, just, I'm really fascinated metrics-wise because the Big 12 has done this round robin forever where right. there's really no bad teams. Right. So your RPI and your numbers, to have more teams, yeah. it, I, I feel like, We'll take a hit maybe on the metric side of things right? just because of the pure number and it's not round robin anymore. How, yeah. have, how have you guys looked yeah. into that? You know, there's the, there, there's the exciting part of expansion, but then with that, there's pluses and minuses. The unfortunate part is the round robin goes away. There was some consistency in the last, you know, decade to know who you were playing. It, you always know who you were playing and they, they were coming to Hilton and that you were visiting there. It was more just about the rhythm of where it fell in the schedule and it never felt like it was advantageous to us. And then you go out there and you're able to string wins together. But now it truly changes in that you're going to play five opponents you know, home and home, and then you're going to run into something, unfortunately, probably with a former, uh, you know, the the group that was here formerly, where you're not going to get to go to uh, Oklahoma State, or, you know, you're only going to play Kansas at home or something. I don't have any inside information, but yeah, just yeah. something along those lines. So that's a little bit disappointing and that the round robin goes away, because I think there was always value of, you know, you go somewhere and you win a great road game, and then you're like, man, they got to come back to Hilton or vice versa. If you lose somewhere on the road, you're like, oh, they still have to come back here. So it doesn't change anything for us on the scheduling portion, but it'll be interesting to see the evolution. We knew what the schedule was last year, right? The 18 round robin. This year it'll look different, you know, as the other two teams exit, and it'll look even different, you know, probably more different than next year after that. So, yeah, the Big 12 round robin to me, I don't know if this is a good comp or not, but it, it, it always felt like. NBA playoffs the yeah. second time around because not only had he already played them, but it was a really small league. But it was also in an era where guys didn't transfer as much, like right? Pre-portal, so right. like these players and coaches knew each other yes. so well, yeah. And there was really like, in, in some cases, like disdain when this team oh. would come to town and yeah. like, I hope I hope we don't lose that yeah. but we'll, we'll see you don't want to and or you can have a, a quirky schedule like we did last year where we open up with Baylor yeah and then you essentially play them three months later 
And then if that's not enough, yeah. you just play them five days later uh, after that in the Big 12 tournament. So I'll, I'll miss that. You know, just going in, and all of the environments in the league are so unique and fun. But bringing the new four teams in, that'll that'll be exciting. Uh, but, you know, losing the round robin, it's just something we've been used to. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll all pivot and figure it out and make it work to our advantage. It is cool, too. Like, uh, we all know, like, that college athletics kind of circle around football because that's where the most right. money's at. But it's all, I love it because I've always been a huge basketball guy. The having like a commissioner that's really putting an emphasis on yeah. on that sport as well, because yeah. like really, I mean, if you if you look around college athletics, he's the only one that's out there publicly talking about basketball. Yeah, I mean, the, what the Big Twelve office has done, uh, you know, with the new commissioner, and again, no no disrespect to the other one. I think just the landscape has changed since we've had a new commissioner, but to have normally you sit there and you understand that we all understand that football drives a train and it should. I mean, that's, that's where the eyeballs are at. We play so many more games, but now to be, you know, kind of put, on the front page with it just telling everybody else how important and how good our basketball league is. It's, it's, uh, you know, it feels good. It's fulfilling to hear that. And the fact that he constantly references our league and the strength of it and, yeah. and, and the teams, it's, it's nice. It's validating. We hear it all the time, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, obviously he's biased towards the league, but when he says it, it resonates a little bit more with the national audience than just maybe a commentator on a ESPN saying it because it's the commissioner saying it. And then, you know, the metrics back it up. Are you a guy like when you, when you get to the NCAA tournament? Can you turn off the competitive side and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to root for Baylor," or do you have a hard time? Like, because I've talked yep. with both sides. Like, yep. some guys just can't turn it off. They're like, "Oh, that's our competition." Like, yeah. how how do you view that? Yeah, it's, not necessarily uh, Baylor, but anything. No, no, team. no. It's a, that's a that's a great question. It's uh, sometimes I feel like you know I don't have the bandwidth to cheer against somebody because we're so focused on what we're doing. It's a good way to look but, at it. But your eyes are inevitably drawn to the unique matchups because whomever it is that they're playing, they probably haven't played against them. And we've played against them at least two times, you know, the big 12 opponent. And so you look at it and you go, how can that team even run with a team that we know how, you know, how good they are. So I think we kind of, to me, I kind of vacillate between watching it and, you know, cheering for them, but I don't want them to advance further than us. Yeah. If we could have it where <laughs> we just knew we were going to advance all the way to the final four, I'd cheer <laughs> for everybody. Cause it'd be great to have a, you know, an all big 12 final four, but I think we're all so close and the, you know, the coaching staffs know each other that I think by the time we get to the end of the big 12 tournament, whether you win or lose your last game, you're kind of cheering for that because it really just uh, validates the strength of your conference, you know, as, you know, people advance in the turn in the NCAA tournament. Well, last thing here, the, this is the week that all the guys show up on, on campus. Yeah. That's how everything's smooth. I know some of the guys have been out in Colorado and right. stuff, but good to have everybody. Yeah. It's great to have, it's great to see them. You know, one of the things going back to quickly to one of the questions you said before about the, uh, you know, getting, uh, commitments from kids early on has really changed with, you know, with TJ, you know, getting commitments early from the 23 class and mm-hmm. having kids that are committed to the 24 class, you feel like you've known them forever. And now, you know, we've been, I feel like we've been recruiting Milan since he was in sixth grade and yeah. Omaha now they're actually here. So to see them and to see them in person, but it's a, a just quick note, like it's a, a tremendous blessing and opportunity that those guys have made for themselves to be able to try out for the USA team and to have three of the 30 guys, you know, on that initial, uh, 
uh, group was, uh, you know, was probably, you know. That's incredible. And TJ on the bench. Yeah, and TJ on the bench. And probably some would say in a normal size polo because I I did give give them his sizes for that. And they asked, and I did say largest. So he's probably really disappointed because I don't know that they quite fit the way that our gear does here. But, yeah, to see all of those guys here and then to not have Omaha here, it isn't disappointing because, you know, he's doing something grand for our country. But he's also, you know, going out there and expanding his horizons. But to see all of these guys actually here on campus together and interacting with one another is fun to watch those relationships grow. That's, that's a interesting point too. Like the Omaha being gone, you'd, you'd, you'd love to have them here with the camaraderie. How do you juggle that as a program? Cause yeah. it's like, he's got to do this, this yeah. is once in a lifetime opportunity. Of course. It's better for him. Like it does, does that, does that, player-wise, how much do you see yeah. those guys grow when they do something Yeah, like well, I mean, I think all you have to do is look back to what Tyrese Halliburton did on that U19 team yeah. uh, when, they won, when they won in Greece. I Forgot mean, about that. Yeah, Tyrese went out there and, you know, Bruce Weber uh, was able to, uh, you know, to coach to coach that team up. But I think that I, I will give him credit because I think that he really valued Tyrese from seeing him the year before, um, you know, watching Tyrese play as a freshman. And Bruce Weber puts him on that team, or Tyrese earns his way onto that team, but Bruce Weber kind of finds a spot for him at point guard and he's out there with all those uber talented guys but Tyrese shined you know during that time frame and I think it uh, I, I think it surprised us but I don't think it surprised Tyrese that much that he was able to take over and be a lead guard which led into the next year of him really taking the reins as a point guard and playing extremely well for us so I think for Omaha it's the same team it's the same kind of group and I think for him he is such a niche player and that he's just going to go hard all the time and I don't think he's necessarily you know, his life doesn't revolve around whether or not he gets the basketball or not because he's just going to go hard. So there's a tremendous area of growth and all of us are sitting here cheering, you know, cheering him on and he stays in touch. You know, our coaching staff is talking to him daily and he's texting in the group chat with all our guys. So there's no disconnect. It's all, we're all cheerleaders for him. Gotta love technology. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship and uh, have a great rest of your summer. I'm sure I'll see you around. Okay. Absolutely. Go Cyclones. He's Micah Byers with Iowa State men's basketball and appreciate um, the guys giving us some time. We'll have some interviews with assistant coaches coming up here in the next week as well.